Thank you, band. So we are jumping back into a series, and we are down to the wire here. Next week is going to be the last week of this series, Powerful Prayers for Weak People. Prayers that we can pray specific, practical prayers to pray as we recognize our weakness, as we recognize our inability to change ourselves. But they're powerful prayers because we are partnering with God's Spirit who is at work in us. And we're saying, God, I'm partnering with you. The first prayer was fill me with your spirit. And we've talked about a lot of other prayers to be praying. Wisdom, boldness. Uh, Today is about send me. Send me. Send me, Lord. Send me out to represent you. Send me out to be your ambassador. Send me out to talk about the good news of what you've done for me. Now, here's the problem with this one. With all the other prayers, we're really able to tap into what is a felt need in our souls. Like last week, the prayer for boldness, we can all recognize that, yeah, we get fearful at times. We act out of fear. We react out of fear. Wisdom, for example. We can all recognize a felt need for wisdom. I'm confused about this. I don't know what to do here. Decision. I'm making a mess of my life. I need wisdom. All those other prayers, it's easy to tap into a felt need. This one, it's hard to tap into a felt need because many of us don't feel like, oh, man, I just want more to be sent. Like, we're not thinking that way. We're thinking about other things. So we might recognize this is an important one. We might read our Bibles or have grown up in church, and we say, yeah, 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 God wants to send me out in some way. I get that. But it's not really urgent. It's important, but not urgent, right? And important, but not urgent. You guys know the difference, right? Like, married folks, sometimes you need to have an important conversation, but you keep putting it off, right? Because there's other urgent things that keep coming up. It's an important thing, but it doesn't always feel urgent. What feels urgent is, you know, our company going through a transition and we need to buckle down and put our our energy into figuring that out. Or our business is on the rocks and we got to put all our energy into finding new clients. Or our marriage is in a crisis and, you know, it says somewhere in the Bible that I'm supposed to put my spouse first and everything else on the back burner. I don't really know where that is in the Bible, but I'm supposed to do it. Or my kids are a mess and one of them's not sleeping through the night and I'm just in survival mode, Pastor Chris, so this prayer doesn't really apply to me. It will maybe in a few years, but not right now. That's kind of how we feel. Nobody will say it, but that's kind of how we often feel. Maybe some of us don't want to be sent because we have this picture in our heads of somebody handing out tracts on the boardwalk in a belligerent way, picking arguments with people or with a bullhorn on the corner of a city. Like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a Bible thumper. I don't want to be like my parents or my grandparents. I don't want to be like that awkward family member on Thanksgiving dinner. That's not me. And then another obstacle might be that many of us think that we're being sent, that we're doing what God's called us to do, but we're not doing it in a way that represents his heart. Maybe it's in an arrogant way, a self-righteous way. Maybe we are the people with the bullhorn on the corner. Maybe not literally, but maybe in social media we do it, right? You know, you could be that guy on the bullhorn on social media, maybe saying right things, but in the wrong way. So here's my hope. Here's what we're going to do today. It's a very different outline than normal. If somebody, if like Justin or Pastor Rigo were preaching and they shared their notes, I'd be like, this is a wacky outline. We can't do this. Um, But we're going to do this. I was praying last week for you guys, and this kind of outline just kind of fell within a matter of seven minutes. And uh, so it's weird. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to do a flyover of Scripture. We're going to get to John 20, which is what Regina just Regina just read from, Um, and then we're going to try to answer a few application questions, because here are the things. When I pray, send me, here are the questions that come in my mind. Jeff, fix this, please. 
<laughs> Clicker's not working. What are we sent to do? What am I sent to do? What does this even mean? Again, I don't want to be like a Bible thumper, so what am I sent to do? Who are we sent to? Can't reach everybody. Who am I sent to? Where are we sent? When are we sent? How are we sent? Why are we sent? We're going to try to cover them all. But first, we're going to cover a lot of Scripture. So uh, I, you could just, if you have your Bibles, just stay in John 20. Don't try to follow along here. Just hear the thrust of the Bible, the thrust of God's story. And let's pray first. God, help us. As a church, we want to be sent. Or we want to want to be sent. But the busyness of life, the distractions of life, the crises in our families cause us to put that on the back burner. Help our hearts to line up with your heart today so that we walk out of here going, send me, and that we are expectant as we go about our lives, expectant that you're going to be at work, expectant to be used to reach people who are hurting. In your name, Jesus, amen. thinking about, when I was praying, I was thinking about Regina, you know, normally people don't, don't share when they do a reading, but Regina shared and talked about the people who are hurting out there and um, the suicide raid, and um, that's another example, right? You don't know who's struggling, and we are sent out there to reach people who, maybe they don't look like they're hurting, but they are. Okay, so Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve are told by God to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth with other image bearers. There's two of them, and God's like, I want a lot of image bearers, a lot of people who are reflecting who I am all over the earth. Genesis chapter 3 rolls around. They sin. Everything is broken. The image of God in them is distorted or poisoned, broken, fractured, to the point where by Genesis chapter 6, God's like, there's so much evil in the world. I'm going to start over with a flood, but I'm going to preserve the family of Noah. After the flood, in Genesis chapter 9, God says to Noah and his family, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. So same thing he said to Adam and Eve. All right, guys, I'm starting over, but my goal, my mission is still the same. I want this earth filled with people who know me, love me, worship me, are obedient to me. Be fruitful and multiply. Unfortunately, the family of Noah had sin stuck in their hearts. So their evils just increased. That's what multiplied. Uh, and then in Genesis chapter 12, God came to a man named Abram. Random dude, average guy like you. And he said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. So go from your home. What's comfortable for you right now? You, you know where the grocery store is. You, you, know, you, you, you know the neighbors. I want you to leave all that. And I want you to go to a place that you don't even know where I'm sending you yet. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Same idea as with Adam and Eve and Noah, but different. This time, God doesn't say to Abram, go be fruitful and multiply, because Abram and his wife Sarah are too old to multiply and be fruitful. They can't have babies. So God says, I will do this. I will form a nation through you. I will bless you. And all nations will be blessed through you. 
In other words, he says to Abram, I am going to do through you what you are unable to do on your own. I am going to reach people through you that you, you can't ever reach on your own. It's physically impossible. All you have to do is be obedient and go. Leave what's comfortable and go into the unknown. And I'm going to do something. And they did, and God formed the nation of Israel, and a few hundred years later, it's a big nation, but they're in slavery. They're in bondage in Egypt. And so God comes to a man named Moses, and he's like, yo, I'm going to send you now into Egypt, and you're going to deliver my people from Pharaoh. And Moses makes excuses. He's like, I don't know. I don't think I'm the right guy. One of his excuses in Exodus 4, he says, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. He's like, I don't talk too good. Why don't you use one of those preachers? Why don't you use one of those uh, people on TV that I see all the time? Don't use me. And God says, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll help you speak, and I'll teach you what to say. Again, what is he saying? Moses, I am going to use you to do what you cannot do on your own. You are not gifted. I know that. I'm going to speak through you. I know that you're not that gifted. He knows that we're not that gifted. Right? You don't have to be a superstar. Most people in our church, there's maybe a few superstars in our church. Most people are not. I'm not. And God says, I'm going to do through you. I'm going to reach people through you that you cannot reach on your own, but you have to go. Go. So Moses goes. He leads them out of Egypt. They eventually enter the promised land under Joshua. But again, their hearts are sinful, so they rebel. They chase after the idols of other cultures. They want to be like other nations. And God sends prophets to call them back. He sends prophets to warn of coming judgment. He sends prophets to uh, promise a coming day of, of deliverance and freedom when they repent and turn back to him. One such example is Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, the, uh, Isaiah writes this, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. Nothing too special about Isaiah. But he says, I'm available. Are you available? Are you available? Jeremiah is another example. Jeremiah, however, has an excuse. He feels like he's too young. He's not going to be a good speaker. So God says to him, he says, well, Jeremiah says to the Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. So who's the teenagers in here? Where are the teenagers? Raise your hand. Teenagers? A few of them? They don't like to raise their hands. Yeah. Don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, who those people are. They might persecute you. They might make fun of you. For I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Again, God's in the business of sending. He takes his servants and he says, I'm going to send you. And we say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm too young. Says, go where I tell you to go. Say what I tell you to say. Be obedient. Now, Jeremiah and Isaiah, Isaiah did not see things go too well for them. They were persecuted. They suffered greatly. They didn't see the results in the short term that they wanted to see. Anybody ever feel like that? People didn't listen. 
God, I don't know if you really sent me. But they were obedient. Um, Jonah was another example, but he was not obedient. God wanted to send him not to Israel, somewhere else. God said to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh. This was in Assyria. Enemies. And preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away. He's like, nah, I don't want to do that. And the reason, we find out later, the reason why he didn't want to go is because he knew that if he preached against them and said, guys, you are wandering off. You're going to go off a cliff. He said, if they repent, I know you're going to show them mercy and grace. And they don't deserve it. So he ran away. How many of us, huh? We look at culture. We look at those bad people out there making America so bad, and we're just offended. And we hide in our bubbles, and we talk about them, and God's like, who's going to go for me and represent my heart? And we run away by staying in our little bubbles, talking smack about them, posting smack about them, but not going. Thankfully, there was a greater prophet who did what Isaiah and Jeremiah and Jonah and Adam and Abram Noah didn't do or could only do in a, in a small amount. A greater prophet came a few hundred years later. He left his home. He left the comforts of his home and came down here. God the Son, sent by God the Father to dwell in human flesh, to pitch his tent among us and live and show us what the kingdom of God is like. Show us the power of the kingdom through miracles and healing and deliverance. What the character of the kingdom is like through his faithfulness and his perfect submission to the Father. And to proclaim the message of the kingdom. That I am overcoming the grave. That I am making all things new. But he was criticized as well. Some of the religious leaders didn't like that he was hanging out with notorious tax collectors, and sinners. And at one point he said in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to go out and get people who are disconnected from my Father. Now, we may not always like to use the word lost. Sometimes we have people who don't, you know, I'm not lost. And lost doesn't mean especially evil. We're all sinful human beings, but lost doesn't mean especially evil. It means disconnected from a relationship with God. And lost folks don't always know they're lost. God knows when someone's lost. Sometimes we're in here and we may be lost. A few weeks ago, we were at a uh, fair, a carnival for the 4th of July up in uh, upstate New York, uh, Margaretville. We'd never been there. It was a strange place. And, um, but we went to this fair, there's rides and, you know, an amusement park or like a carnival type of thing. And um, my oldest daughter, Kayla, took our youngest daughter, Tessa, to go on a ride. And me and Jess took our middle daughter, Sienna, to go, I forget, we, we went to the other side of the park to do something. At one point, we went to go look for Kayla and Tessa. We turn, and it was a big crowd. So Jess is ahead of me, and I'm ahead of Sienna. And we're walking, and suddenly Jess turns around, and is like, where's Sienna? I'm like, right here. She was gone. And it was like in a movie, because you see all these strange faces walking around. I was like, oh, no. I was like, don't, don't act freaked out because Jess will get freaked out. I'm like, she's right around there. And we walk, and she's not, and my heart's beating fast because I was the closest one to her, so I was most responsible, right? 
And we're, we're freaking out. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, if somebody grabbed her, she knows what to yell, right? You're not my mommy. You're not my daddy. She knows where to kick him. And she knows to say, he's got a gun. Just, that's, her, that's her thing. And, um, but I'm like, but it's noisy. It's loud. I don't know. And so we split up. And after, it was probably four minutes, right? But four minutes is a long time. And I found her. And she's wandering. I was like, Sienna. She said, hey. I'm like, where were you? She's like, I was going to find Kayla and Tessa. I was like, but we, you, we didn't know where you were. You got to stay with us. And she had no clue she was lost. She had no clue. She thought she was, she would have found out soon enough. But those few minutes, she had no idea. And she had no idea that we were looking for her. And Jesus, that's what he does. He's looking for people. Sometimes they have no idea. And he's kicking down doors. And he's pushing through shrubbery. And he's like, I'm coming to get you. And that's what he did for Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and many others. And then he died. He, he died a sacrificial death to pay for our sin. And then he conquered the grave. He came out of a tomb. Death was destroyed. And then before he ascended into heaven, you know what he said to his followers? Before he ascended into heaven, he said, guys, I'm going to come back one day. I'm going to finish seeking and saving the lost when I do. In the meantime, I want you guys to huddle up. I want you to go to church. I want you to read your Bibles, but I want you to stay put. I want you to hunker down. I want you to play it safe. I want you to try to buy a house. I want you to live the American dream. And I want you to make sure you don't spend time with people who are different from you. Don't hang out with people unless their kids are in the same season of life as your kids are. And vote exactly the same way you do. And then I'll come back and I'll finish doing what I did. Did he say that? No, he didn't say that. And yet we live as if he said that, don't we? We live as if he said that. We get sucked in. No, he said, after he rose again, he said to his followers, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father sent me out of the comforts of heaven, putting on flesh, suffering, sacrificing, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me in the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate miracles of the kingdom, the character of the kingdom, so I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive my spirit so that you can go. You can take the baton now. I'm leaving, but I'm giving you the baton. My people, my followers. Now you got to go. As, I'm sent, as I was sent, I'm sending you. Luke's version of this in Acts 1.8, he said this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. Martus is the Greek word. It's where we get the word martyr from, as Pastor Bill talked about last week. It's the idea of being a, a testifier of what we've seen and heard and experienced, even if it costs us our lives. I'm going to suffer in order to tell this story. And we're going to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do it in Jerusalem, because that's where they were at the time. Local, that's like our brick, right? Judea, that's like New Jersey. Samaria, that's crossing an ethnic, racial, political barrier. So maybe for some of us white folks, that's Camden. Maybe for all of us, it's the Hasidic community in Lakewood. We're crossing barriers. And to the ends of the earth. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, God wants. Remember the beginning. Remember what he said to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I want the ends of the earth to have their distorted image of God restored through Jesus. 
knowing me, worshiping me. That's his mission. And that's why he sends us. So now let's go through those questions that I started with briefly and see where God speaks to us. Because when I pray, God, send me again, these questions pop in my mind. So let's go through them again. What are we sent to do? If you study these scriptures and you look at Jesus' life, there's no way, by the way, you can like take all these notes, but you can ask me for the slides, or I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit makes one or two of these things pop out to you. What are we sent to do? Well, we proclaim the good news of the kingdom. We open our mouths. Many of us don't want to open our mouths. We don't want to, again, we don't want to be like Ned Flanders, right? We don't want to be like what we saw with our parents' generation, but God says, no, you, you got to open your mouth. There is no uh, form of coaching training in our world where somebody is, like, think of a coach on a football team. They don't just say, hey, just sh- let me show you what, how to tackle and how to block. He opens his mouth at some point, right? He, he demonstrates, but he also speaks about something. If you want to learn from somebody who's wealthy, how do I get wealthy? They don't, they don't just say, well, just watch how I spend my money. They, say, they talk, they open their mouth. And for some reason, we say, well, in this case, I want to close my mouth. If we see a good movie, we don't say, well, if I act a certain way, maybe they'll ask me, hey, what movie have you seen recently? Right? You seem so happy. I want to know, did you see a good movie recently? Right? This is what we do with Jesus. We close our mouths, but no, God says, somebody's got to tell them. Romans 10, Paul says, how will they know unless we open our mouths? We've got to be willing to open our mouths. Now, we also have to demonstrate the power of the kingdom to show that the kingdom of God actually changes lives. It actually restores. He actually puts marriages back together. He actually heals diseases and sicknesses. He actually breaks the chains of addiction. So we have to go out in the power of the Spirit with the authority of the kingdom and be willing to pray for those miracles and help people find that freedom, those breakthroughs. There's going to be a video testimony next week of someone who found amazing breakthrough in an area where they were chained up. And then lastly, we have to do all this with the uh, character of the king, representing the character, the integrity, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness of Jesus. Otherwise, we can um, discredit our own message Right? In a courtroom, if a prosecutor is going to put up a witness to testify that they saw the defendant commit the crime, the opposing counsel, the, the defendant's lawyer, will often try to discredit the witness. Well, they cheated in their taxes, or they lied about this in another area, so how can we trust them? And so when we act like fools, when we go into work and we don't act with integrity, when we're cheating on our taxes, when we're being lazy, when we're being mean to our spouses, it discredits our witness and you know how many friends I have who have seen the worst of Christians put up by the media and I, I know you can blame the media for that but come on let's not let's let's not make it easy for the world to go I don't want to be among them look at the scandals they keep getting caught up in what are we sent to do who are we sent to who am I sent to so again just some things to be thinking about to help you those you have authority over maybe are those that you are sent to. That could be the kids in your home. That could be students in a classroom where you're a teacher or a principal or administrator. That could be students uh, or, or, or young adults on a team that you're coaching. That could be employees in your job, your business. If God's put you there, you can believe, okay, God's put me here for a reason. So God, you start praying for the people you have authority over. 
see what happens. Those you have influence with. So maybe you don't have authority, a position of authority, but you have relational authority. There's trust that has been built. It could be neighbors, coworkers, family members. I got to know somebody um, a couple years ago, and last year, after about a year of getting to know them, they asked me to come over when they put their dog to sleep. I just showed like, hey, we built some trust. We built some, some um, influence there. And that just sent me the message that, oh, wow, they, they trust me here in this moment. Strangers with needs. Maybe you're at a CVS and you're checking out and you, you, know, you do one of those routine like, oh, how you doing? And they actually say, I've been better. And you're like, well, I got to go. <laughs> oh, that's an open door. Right? Then you can say, well, what's going on? Can I pray for you for anything? And you see where that goes. Maybe they won't open up, but sometimes they will. Sometimes if God's in that moment, they will. Um, those seeking spiritual answers. There might be people who start asking questions in our, in our spheres, in our circles. They start asking questions, and we can tell. They're, or they're posting something on social media. You're like, wow, they're, they're, they're searching. Maybe it's an old friend that you've been disconnected with, and you see that they're searching. You're like, you know what? God, I think I just need to reach out to them. And so you, you reach out. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's grab lunch. I saw what you posted. Let's talk about that. And then, in case we think, oh, well, that means that those who are not searching spiritually, I should stay away from. No, those who are hard-hearted too. Now, sometimes, this, this takes the wisdom of God's spirit. Sometimes people who are hard-hearted, it means, all right, my time is better spent with somebody who's more open. But sometimes it means I need to spend time with them because there's a healing that needs to take place in their soul because they're not open to God because of a past hurt or something. I got a friend who I, I realized recently through prayer that they're not open to hearing about Jesus as Savior. They're not open to hearing about the truth of his resurrection. So I started praying, God, help them to know you as healer. There's something in there. Help them to know you as healer of their soul. So that's who. Where are we sent? Well, our Jerusalem and Judea, right? This is kind of like as you go along your day, your grocery store, the gym. But then there's our Samarias. There's a boundary that needs to be crossed eventually. And we need to do it. Some of us need to cross those boundaries. And then the ends of the earth. We, we wouldn't be here in a high school in brick if somebody didn't go spread the news of the good news that Jesus conquered the grave across oceans, right? Mountain ranges. We wouldn't be here. Where are we going to go? Who among us is going to go to the ends of the earth? A few examples from people in our church. Um, Pam and Pat Hess are praying about moving to Albania in four years. They've been visiting Albania, going on mission trips, and they're praying about moving there, you know, doing what Abram did, going there. Um, uh, Alan McCarthy goes to Haiti to, to bring medical care on a regular basis. So she goes, comes back, not planning to move, but she's going there on a regular basis. Danny Dornacker went to his job, his Jerusalem, his fire, fire department in Jersey City, started a Bible study. That Bible study multiplied into three at his job. God sent him there. God sends him every day. Um, Nancy Shavel leads a team to the, assisted, uh, the Chelsea Assisted Living Home um, just a few blocks away. And over time, they asked, the resi- not, not just the residents, but the staff asked for a Bible study. They're doing a Bible study there with staff members in somebody's home. You don't know where God starts to 
Open up doors. My dad recently gave a book about the resurrection of Jesus to a neighbor because God highlighted that neighbor. God's at work. He's highlighting people. When are we sent? Is it just on Saturdays when I have a little time on my hands? I want to give you two kind of ways to think about this. Number one, planned intentional moments. It should make our character, our, our character, our calendar. People who need the kingdom of God, whether it's the message of a risen Jesus, the healing of Jesus, whatever it is, it should make our calendar. We should be asking, okay, um, how can I schedule this in? Like Jack Miskin goes to a soup kitchen every Saturday. That's scheduled. That's planned. But we also have to be open to divine interruptions. God's going to mess up our schedule. Maybe that guy at CVS, when you say, how you doing? They say, oh, been better. You might be in a rush to go somewhere. You might have a to-do list a mile long, and you realize something's going to have to come off here, but I'm going to step into this moment. I'm going to be open. How are you doing? And it becomes a conversation, and it becomes a prayer. So we got to be open to divine interruptions. Almost done. How are we sent? Through prayer. We pray about all these things. You know, God, where am I supposed to go? Who? God highlights. God leads us through prayer and by being filled with the Spirit. Right? Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the Spirit that will help you go out with compassion so that we don't come off like the guy with the bullhorn. And also boldness. We're willing to open our mouths. Gives us words to speak. And finally, why? Why are we sent? I hope you saw it in the, 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 the overview of Scripture. God has a mission to fill the earth with people who worship him. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. He has a mission. And he wants us to share his heart for that mission. He wants us, his kids, who have been adopted into his family, to share his priorities. He also just wants us to be obedient. We just do it out of obedience. Sometimes, again, the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, things didn't go well for them. And we can't always say, well, God, if I open my mouth here, that person's not open. And what, or my friends at school, they're going to make fun of me when they find out how I'm trying to live for you and stay pure for you. God's like, just be obedient. Trust me here. Because, lastly, our ultimate fulfillment is found when we line our lives up with God's mission. Some of us are probably feeling dry and we think we're too busy or we think whatever. And God's like, you're not being sent. You're fighting against the way I've designed my kingdom, my family to work. So of course you're going to feel dry. Go out there and feel my wind blow under your wings as you jump out of the boat, as you do what Abram did. So I'm going to call the band up. We're going to close with a song. The song that we sang earlier, we're going to sing it again, but you guys are going to sing it now. And some of you are going to mean it. Can we stand? I hope most of you mean it. And I want you to just be thinking, as we sing this song, is there an area where you need to repent? Don't say, my reason is just because I'm too busy. Everybody's busy. What's the real reason this isn't a priority? What's the real reason? I would submit to you that it boils down to 
idolizing one of four things. Comfort, it's uncomfortable. I like to come home from work and just hunker down in front of the TV. I don't want, I, I, I like to only hang out with people like me. It's uncomfortable to step out. Comfort maybe is too important. Maybe justice, like Jonah. I don't want to, maybe God wants to highlight a family member that has offended you or a coworker whose lifestyle really bothers you. And you're all caught up in the fact that like, oh, their sin is offensive to me. And God's like, hey, put that down. I've shown you such grace and mercy. Go show them grace and mercy. Maybe it's approval. If I open my mouth to my friends at school, what are they going to think of me? They're going to make fun of me. I want to fit in. We're at my job. And lastly, control. This is where I struggle because I don't like my schedule being interrupted. Sometimes I'll ask the guy at CVS or, or somebody on the street when I'm walking my dog, how can I pray for you? And in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, please don't say an answer. I don't have time. And then I'm like, oh, why do I think like that? Why do I feel like that? God changed my heart. Somebody comes in to my life while I'm on the go. And there's a need. And God's like, go pray. And I'm like, God, really? I got a plan for the day. So where do you need to repent? Let's sing this song. I pray, I pray that we can mean it.